I'm walking all alone down my yellow brick road and I stomp to the beat of my own drum. Got my pockets full of dreams and they're busting at the seams Going boom, boom, boom to my own song Welcome to Stacked Keys Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Stackhouse. This is a podcast to feature women who are impressive in the work world or in raising a family or who have hobbies that make us all feel encouraged. Want to hear what makes these women passionate to get up in the morning or what maybe they wish they'd known a little bit earlier in their lives? Grab your keys and stomp to your own drum. There's a great big world that I want to see and a whole lot of things that I want to be. All I got to do is count one, two, three. To my own drum. Whatever you do, it ain't nothing on me. I'm pretty excited today. I have somebody that I, I hear about through uh, one of my girls, through Becca, a lot. And um, today I welcome Lauren Johnson to the podcast. So thank you, Lauren. Thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for inviting me. Delighted to have you. So Lauren, if somebody asked you who you were personally and professionally, what would your answer be? Well, I think I always feel conflicted when someone asks me this question because as I have grown, um, it feels like I have a lot of hats, you know? <laughs> so I am wife to Brandon. Um, we have been married for eight years this year and I am a mom to Noel, who is four, Nora, who is two and Silas, who is one. And, um, I, as equally, I am um, very much so a work workhorse. <laughs> so I also really, really love um, helping people um, get connected, first of all, with oils with Young Living. That's actually one of the ways Becca and I have connected over the years, um, but also other entrepreneur type um, ventures as well. Um, so that's a little bit about who I am. I will be 30 this year. <laughs> so. Oh boy. Yeah. Hey, it's not, it's not that bad. It's, um, you know, you sometimes in your head, you forget it and, and still, you know, kind of, even when I'm on the 60 side, I'm starting to look and think, what I'm 25. What are you talking about? I'll be honest. I have loved aging. <laughs> it's been, yeah. It has been like one of the best things I think. Like if, I think if someone said, "Hey, would you want to go back, you know, to high school or to your early 20s?" I'd be like, "No way." Like, yeah. Bring it I on. hear you. <laughs> I hear you. So, but that's unusual for people to say. So, what have you enjoyed about the aging? Um the, with the growth, I think the personal and just mental growth of, um, you know, that stripping off layer that happens, um, other people's opinions affecting you as much, um, you know, just kind of finding your own way. Um, and yeah, 
um, maturing, I think is the more simplified way to put that. I think I lived in a lot of people pleasing under a lot of, um, people pleasing, um, stressors or just burdens over the years, insecurities. And the longer I've been married, which has been, um, you know, really like one of the hardest relationships I've ever been in, you know, it's just like this constant, okay, how can we make this better? You know, I have a great marriage, but it's still hard, um, to communicate with someone all day, every day and learn how to live and, um, you know, walk through life together. And then of course, having children brings on a huge layer of stress that it's just been really freeing to become older and mature in that way. That makes sense. It does. And I love hearing that because a lot of young women in your exact situation of um, balancing entrepreneur career and home and family, young children, um, and, and spouse, it gets even harder and they get more self-judging and more locked in that, oh, everybody's looking at me kind of thing. It sounds like yeah. you've kind of found a little bit of a secret there. So what's, what's your secret? Well, you know, what? I, okay. I think, um, and this kind of like leads into, I'm telling a little bit about the last, um, I guess it would be five years of my life now, five, five to six. So I was raised born. Well, I'm sorry. I was actually born in Kansas, but, um, by the time I was two, my mom, um, came back to the South, um, which is where she is from. And, um, we were, raised here, um, myself and my four siblings that are younger than me. And, um, I really did grow up in, um, a a great, a great household, really. My mom, um, loved us, loves, loves the Lord. We were homeschooled. So I really felt like I had a, um, nurturing environment. Um, but I was very much entrenched in kind of a, um, just a Southern culture, um, And, um, all that goes along with that sometimes not negative in any way, shape or form. I believe, um, you know, the respect factor and the, um, uh, more conservative, uh, attributes that, um, my family and church family passed down to me have carried me throughout the years. Um, but about, well, okay. So when I was 18, I moved to Germany for six months. And I did a discipleship training school with YWAM, um, which is, um, stands for youth with a mission. And so it's kind of, it's a, um, mission organization. Um, but they were, um, very much open to different types of denominations. So it wasn't just like more of the conservative Southern Baptist type of theology that they were teaching. It was more of a vast, broad, really worldwide um, worldview of like, who really is God, who is the Holy Spirit. And so that was kind of, I think my first like unveiling of like, okay, there's more cultures and like, there's, there's more ways to um, go about life and, um, you know, nothing against the South at all. But I think, you know, living in the South is there's a um, thick, um, 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Almost like a persona that you have to play. You know, I think appearance is really important. I think a lot of people are hush hush about their problems. Um, especially if you're involved in a more conservative church, you know, it's like, oh, well, if you're thinking about separating your husband, it's like, don't talk about that in church. Or, you know, if one of your children is, um, you know, trying to find their, you know, sexual identity or something, you know, it's like, oh, just please don't mention it at church, you know, please to God, you know? And so (laughs) it's, I think even though I was um, raised in, like I said, I wouldn't really trade my upbringing at all. I think it was very quiet. And there was this sub um, subconscious, let's make sure our image is up to par layer that really has been passed down from generation to generation. It's just the culture. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the culture of the South, not everyone, I'm not saying every single person in the South is like that, but overall, I think there's like this um, large view in that way. And so my, um, I met my husband shortly after moving back to Alabama from that discipleship training school that I took in Germany. And he is, he had a completely different upbringing and lifestyle than I did. He was from right outside of Philadelphia and, um, he had, he had been around (laughs) Like he had, he had made his um, mark in um, just a lot of things and um, toyed with a lot of things that I hadn't even thought of. And we, um, when they say opposites attract, like that was exactly what happened. Um, And he now shares, you know, he's like this, you know, I met this girl at church, a long story short, we we met and I started bringing him to church with me. And he now tells people, yeah, the first year she brought me to church, I was high as a kite, but I kept going. And, you know, um, anyway, I think we really helped each other in so many different ways. But um, anyway, this is a very long answer to what you've asked, but about five years ago, that's a deep um, question. About five years ago, uh, we ended up moving to back to my husband's hometown right outside of Philadelphia with the intentions to plant a church. And, um, you know, it's, it did not go well to be very frank. We, um, we tried and we felt as though that we were following what the Lord had asked us to do. And now in hindsight, I know that we were obedient and that we, we were doing what we thought you know, he was asking us to do at that time, but what he wanted to reveal to us during that time was totally different than what we thought we were going for. I think it was one of those things he was like, yeah, sure. If you think that you need to move here to plant a church and like, quote unquote, like help people, then go ahead, go and do it. And I am going to reveal to you what, what my true intentions are and maybe possibly even the healing that needs to happen in your own heart. And, um, I'll be honest with you, the time that I spent in Pennsylvania, I feel like absolutely ruined me, um, for, um, falling back into that. Okay. Well, let's just put on a good image and make sure we're doing all of the right things. And, um, I, I became, um, I I like to tell people almost like unchurched, 
Um, I, you know, I tried to bring in all of my Southern tendencies and all of my hospitality and all of my um, traditional church upbringing ways and invite people into my home and do all these things and have all of these women's groups. And um, what worked was none of that. And it was stripping myself of myself and start and having conversations with people just like we're having today and um, choosing to say, hey, let's just go and get coffee or let's just let the kids run around and talk about life. Let's just sit on the front porch with a glass of wine and actually truly unpack who we are, what we're dealing with. And um, then what God has to say about that and allowing him to um, speak in untraditional ways. And, you know, the culture of the Northeast, um, and I've been so, I'm refreshed daily of this by my husband, is there's just nothing to hide ever. There's nothing ever to hide. Um, You can sit down with someone and automatically they're just like, oh, yes, I have had an absolutely terrible day. My kids are you know, making me lose my mind. And it's just, it's very common just to speak your frailty, knowing that it's going to be a common denominator between the two of you. It doesn't mean you stay there and that's your identity, but it's, um, it was just so freeing in that way to experience that. And, um, so anyway, I think part of the secret is, you know, learning just to be adaptable into different cultures, you know, ridding yourself of that pride of, you know, let me just try to keep it all together. Cause we can't all keep it all together. It's, it's, um, it would be so hard to do that. Um, and to keep that image constantly. And, um, and then lastly, I think COVID everything that we've been through since 2020, I feel a, if this is just me personally, but I just feel like I don't have any time to waste at this point. There's so there's division everywhere around us, and I just don't want there to ever be um, um, boundaries in a way that keep me from just going deep really fast with someone. Um, and you know, speaking love, speaking truth, and being available for them because. Um, times have changed. (laughs) And I think we're all in this, you know, almost like fight or flight mode. And I don't want to be succumbed to fear in any way with all the fear that's out there right now. Like the world just has enough of that. So, yeah. Oh, I hear you. Well, that's fascinating, Lauren, because, um, I think you're being from the South. I know exactly what you're saying as far as, um, you know, leave that at home. Don't air your dirty laundry, those kinds of things. And then, you know, a lot of times we see um, our our religion, our um, way of thinking as sometimes the only way. And uh, when you kind of bust that open, you find out that people are people. And, And so it sounds to me like that's where you've kind of landed is people are people and you actually have quite a spectrum in your motherhood of people to relate to from having the little to the toddler to, you know, getting older. I mean, that, that just kind of, kind of widens your reach of people. Um, so you, you got 
you, you moved off and then you came back and, yes. um, and then you started your entrepreneur life as well in the midst of that. So yes. tell me oh, how yeah. you got into Young Living, maybe even talk about Young Living and what it is and kind of what it brings to your home. And, and then okay. also that's probably another platform for meeting people and growing. So just launch straight into that part of your life. Absolutely. So we um, were in Pennsylvania early 2000. Well, I'm sorry, summer of 2017, we moved. And that's when we were still, you know, obviously like full time um, putting our efforts into church planting. I had my first daughter in November of 2017. And I had, um, I was 26 and had just come from really, I, I worked full time pretty much since I was 18. So, um, eight years, almost eight full years of working full time to, okay, what am I doing? Right. So like I'm church planting, but like, what is this? Like, what am I doing all day, every day to fill my days and my time? What does this new rhythm look like? And then of course, reevaluating that again with a newborn and, um, I think there's a lot of searching that goes on during that time of young motherhood of just like, am I feeling fulfilled just by changing diapers all day? I mean, obviously there's so much more than that, but as far as a brain capacity goes, you're just like, well, I feel like I can just do so much more. Um, and so I was, my wheels were just constantly churning. Um, I think the money aspect was one thing because we were raising support from church planting, but we were living off of that versus the two full-time salaries that we had as a couple become accustomed to. And then of course now you have a baby. So you're thinking, okay, well, how can we provide better? And like, you know, just have more income coming in. And, um, I just kind of launched head first, um, into, sharing first I've, I've always danced I guess I need to start with that so I was like okay how can I teach ballet here because that'll bring like money in right but then there was like this there's this constant wall that you hit having a baby and then not living around family to have babysitters and so that was a um huge just it just felt like I was constantly getting like knocked down every idea entrepreneur idea that I had it was just like childcare childcare. So how am I going to do this? And I remember, um, sharing online about this, just kind of like popping on Instagram, you know, and just talking about the woes of what was going through my mind. And I had a girl reach out to me. She was actually from Huntsville, Alabama. And she was like, Hey, um, I think you would like like, really benefit from oils. And this was like November or December, like right after I had Noel, And I'm like, okay, I don't even know what they are. So my mother-in-law had given me a pack of essential oils, like 10 years ago now, I think like when my husband and I were dating and they sat in my cabinet for forever because I was like, I don't even know what these are. They don't really smell good. I like candles more, <laughs> whatever, you know? <laughs> And, um, anyway, so time went on a few months passed and, um, my daughter 
continued to get older. And so then I was like, okay, well now she's a little bit older. So my husband can watch her. So I'm just going to go start teaching dance. And that's what I did. I started my own dance business. It was called Beginning Ballet by Lauren for preschoolers in Conshohocken, and I, which is right outside of Philadelphia. And so I started doing that and all of the kids that came to my class were always sick. <laughs> like imagine that preschoolers with colds all the time. And so I was scared <laughs> to death that I was going to get sick and then bring it home to my daughter. And then I wouldn't be able to go and teach dance because I don't have any childcare again. <laughs> and so, um, so now I'm posting online about that. Okay. Now I've started my new venture, but we're going to get sick and I don't have any babysitters. And this girl reached out again and she was like, Hey, I think you would really benefit from oils. (laughs) I was like, I, okay. So now I started to do my research. Right. And I'm like, what are essential oils? How do you use them? What are they? And, um, she, her name is Ashley and she sent me a roller of thieves, frankincense, lemon, and copaiba. And so for my immune system, and then she even made a roller with the same ingredients, but with less amount for my daughter, Noelle. And she mailed it to me. And I remember receiving that package, which was just so generous because at the time, like I said, I was still constantly just like money, money, money. And I knew that this was an investment that I was going to have to make. And I wasn't really sure if they would work, you know? And so I remember that she gave me these rollers and I immediately started rolling them up and down our spine on the bottoms of our feet. And um, it was probably about three or four weeks later, I found myself still using these rollers at a, um, at a, um, play date. Like it was an online play date. I didn't know anyone there. And I had just decided to, that I was going to be brave enough to go. And, um, I went with my daughter and let her play with all of the equipment and touch all of the other kids. And I realized, wow, maybe these oils are like actually helping our immune systems in some way, but like I wasn't putting all the pieces together. And then the next week I found myself at a book club with again, like 20 women. I didn't know. I just found it online and I just went, and this was a city that I didn't know really anyone in. I hadn't made any real connections other than teaching dance. Um, And so I started doing more research and I found out um, from an oils 101 class that the exact oils that were in the immune boosting roller were actually, especially the frankincense, the clove that's in the thieves and the lemon were actually fantastic for postpartum anxiety and depression as well and aiding in that. And so all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute, I've been using these consistently. My family is now staying well. And I feel so much braver, like maybe they're actually working, you know? So it wasn't like this automatic, I swiped the oil down my spine and automatically felt amazing, but this gradual change happened. And, um, I, I became a pretty firm believer pretty quickly and dove right in to figuring out more about the science behind them and I'm incorporating them into my family's life, which now they're um, 
I mean, I can barely look in one direction in my house and my car without seeing an oil or a product from Young Living at this point. It truly has become a lifestyle for our family. That's really interesting because you had a need. Yes. And you had a community that you didn't even really know you had. That's, that, that's exactly um, right. Helped you fill that need. So that kind of goes in with the whole philosophy of young living, does it not? I mean, it's kind of that, that whole um, work together, learn together. Um, so that, that wasn't yes. too far of a leap from what you were actually doing anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I have loved every aspect of um, Young Living. I mean, the products speak for themselves and really um, sell themselves, you know, once people start trying them and experiencing them. So it takes a lot of pressure off of you. Should you choose to be a brand partner and distribute them? It really, it feels, it doesn't feel like work, you know, because it just feels like you saying, uh, this changed my life, you know, but you're right. right. The community and um, support of other women and I mean, even men who are um, involved in using these products and helping others get connected with them. It truly is a community of um, support where um, I think people are just so excited that they may have found something that works for them or their children or their spouse that they are more than happy to, to share that information with others. Yeah. Well, in working with oils, sometimes people can look at that um, as just something a little hokey, something a little, you know, you, you dive in so deep and you're like, almost like a religion, almost like a, you know, that that's for that group of people, but certainly not me. How I do get you combat it. that? I totally get that. And I always tell people this story because I think it's kind of funny. So I think there is like, a, like you said, this like persona of like, is this a cult or like, what <laughs> is this, you know? And um, anyway, um, I think some of it, you know, is the price of it. Like some people are like, okay, if like, they're so expensive, like, why are you so obsessed with them? And like, why it's, and I think sometimes it's also categorized in a group, which is where I came from of rich people afford essential oils, you know, like, so I think that's one category people can put things in is like, okay, that may be for you, but I'm going to go to the, I'm going to go to TJ Maxx and buy the $6 one because that's, what I can afford and I'm not, you know, bougie like you. So that's, you know, that's one aspect that you kind of, um, have to address. And the more education that you have really about any type of product is you pay for the quality at the end of the day, you know, young living, um, really set the standard for, um, the distillation process of the oils, you know, there's so, so much research on, um, and, you know, information that you can read on the distillation process of every single type of oil and the seed to seal promise um, that Young Living holds for their farms. So, you know, when you ask someone, okay, so like, show me your TJ Maxx $6 lavender, show me the bottle. Okay, now let's look at the ingredients on it. 
Okay, so the ingredient says um, lavender fragrance. Okay, all right, so now let's go to Google and see what lavender fragrance is. Or let's just call the company and see what ingredients are in there versus let me spend 20 more dollars, $26 getting lavender from Young Living. And I call and they tell me it came from their lavender field. And then I can look online and I can see all of their lavender fields. I can also see all of these women who have gone to visit the lavender fields. And um, then if you still don't believe it, just try it. Like just put it on your skin and see what happens. Does it turn red? Does it give you a headache? Does it work? Versus try this lavender. Like I would love to share some with you, you know? So sometimes it is a little bit of a process to, you know, get people to um, get on board. But, um, you know, like, again, it's kind of the thing with anything you buy. Like if you buy um, a a coffee mug from Dollar Tree, it's going to be worth $1. You buy a coffee mug that's been handcrafted by a potter, it's going to last a lot longer. (laughs) And so, you know, there's just, you know, it's just, so that conversation is kind of separate. Like, so that's, you know, one way that we, I've um, kind of dealt with that and then, you know, leaving the decision up to people. Like, I don't want to try to convince anyone, like if they think that it's way too expensive and they don't need it. Okay. Um, But I have learned over the years that you pay for your health in one way, shape or form. You're either going to pay for it now or you're going to pay pay for it later. And so if there's, if there is a way that you can choose to afford it now, um, and live a healthier lifestyle that possibly might alleviate stress and money in the future, let's just do it now. You know, let's find a way creatively to be able to afford it now. And, um, that was exactly why I decided to be a brand partner from the beginning was because I knew I needed this and I knew I needed to get them paid for Um, And so Young Living is quite generous um, with their um, subscribe to save program. It used to be called Essential Rewards. But when you are purchasing products uh, monthly for your family, um, then you're getting points back in your account to be able to use on more products. And um, anyway, a little bit does go a long way, as you know, by using oils as well. They are quite potent and they last a long time. So, so that's kind of one way. And then the other way, as far as it being like kind of a hokey, like what kind of like religion is this, um, type thing. Um, I really, I, I just try to use my own life as an example, you know, and, um, the story that I think is kind of funny is, you know, I was homeschooled growing up. I was telling you at the beginning and my mom went to this, like, retreat like it was like this like family camp homeschoolers retreat and um she said once I started getting involved in oil she's telling me this story and she was like we were on this camp out and all of these women with all of these kids talked about using oils and I just thought it was the weirdest thing and I hid my Tylenol and Benadryl from them because I didn't want them to judge me (laughs) (laughs) that's funny and it is. And, you know, and I think it's, again, like, especially I think in the South, we like categorize ourselves like, oh, well, we're like healthy or we're not, you know, when if yeah. you were to open yeah. my medicine cabinet right now, I have sniffles and thieves and lemon and thieves cough drops and thieves chest rub. And then right next to it is Benadryl and Tylenol. 
Like I, you know, so it's really like you, you do as much as you can naturally, but you don't have to be this like super healthy. We never touch anything that's from big pharma type of mentality. You know, I think normalizing it in your own life to just be I'm just a normal person. I'm just a normal person who tries to live as naturally as I can. It's made a huge impact. I can tell you this. I only buy Benadryl and Tylenol maybe once every six months for my kids versus every month, you know? So I think, you know, it's like you, you see the difference and the impact that it makes for your family. And I just try to point back to my own life and say, I don't make it weird. Like you, you know, there might be some people out there who do make it uh idle in their life or whatever, but just trying to be as normal as possible, I guess. You know what? A theme that I hear you talking about is normalizing. Normalizing and putting the the who you are and how you live out there. And yes. as people can benefit from that and it can be, you know, a real relationship. Actually, when you talk about Christianity, one of the things in in working with youth and, and talking and teaching is the, the way that you win people over is through your own experience, your own life, how, sure. how God has made an impact in your own life. And, and if you can't do that, then people don't really buy from you because it's not, it's not your genuine story. I think that translates into other things in life too. Um, I don't buy a product that somebody has, has said they saw in the grocery store. I buy it because they tell me how they used it and what sure. a difference it made. Like, you know, just from flour to cake flour, I never bought cake flour because it was like, why? And then somebody tells me, you know, what cake flour does to their cakes. And then it suddenly has, I have a reason because sure. I have a contact point and, and same thing can, can be in young living. And I think that's what they do is it's personal story. It's not, there is science behind it, but there's a personal story and how you use it and what it did for you and how it impacts you. And, that's um, exactly and maybe, maybe that's what life ought to be. How does whatever impact you? And maybe that's how, maybe that goes back to asking the question of what's your secret. It's like you mm-hmm. share your impacts, you share what works with your kids and now you mm-hmm. teach. And, and, and it's funny when you talk about homeschooling, we homeschooled as well. And okay. I can remember swearing off the blue jean jumper because it was like, no, <laughs> we're not going to look like that. And so, I mean, and you, you're laughing because you know exactly what I'm talking about. I and, get and those I get that it. are listening yeah. do too. We have, we are horrible about having to categorize people. Mm-hmm. And um, so how do you protect your kids from that? I mean, you see it, you know, it, you're, um, you've, you've lived some of it. Um, how do you, how do you protect your kids? That's a great question. And, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is I just think, thank God they're little right now. I'll be honest. I think it's a, it's a huge concern. I think, you know, especially with, um, the world that we live in right now, the divisiveness, the, um, you know, people's opinions that they feel like need to be voiced for everything. Um, it's, 
It's a challenge. It's a huge challenge. And I'm, I'm definitely going to be navigating that the older they get, you know, I think, like I said, my saving grace right now is they're still young. We're, you know, we're home a lot. We still have naps and, um, you know, those, um, necessary routines at home to where we don't have to really venture out a ton, maybe a little bit in the afternoon, you know, once everyone's had their naps and have eaten, you know, before that dinner, bath and bed (laughs) grind time. Um, but I, I will be looking for quite a bit of support and like-minded people, I think within the next few years, because, um, you know, I mean, of course, you know, I think, oh, well, just I'll pray and (laughs) seek godly counsel and all of my, like, you know, ingrained church checkoffs, like I'll, I'll do all of those things. And, and I know the Lord will provide, but, um, I think, you know, it's going to be a challenge with the changes that are, um, happening in our culture, what is right, what is wrong. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a challenge to be honest. Well, I can tell you doing it by yourself is really tough and finding like-minded moms that you can share some of the teaching responsibilities, some of the um, guiding um, is, is invaluable. Um, When we moved from North Carolina to Alabama, I distinctly remember we moved, um, you know, like on a Saturday or something. And that following Thursday, there was a homeschool meeting and um, I went to find someone who could play with my son. Hmm. And that was, I mean, I went from group to group going, do you have boys? Do you have a seven-year-old? Do you have, you know, and and if they didn't, I moved on to the next group because my girls were covered. They had each other, but my son needed somebody. And that Mm -hmm. night I found somebody that was his friend and is his friend to to now and um, even today. And so it's like, sometimes as a mom, do you find that you have to have a purpose and a mission that you execute for a child? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Because, you know, each child is so different and they're um, unique, you know, and I think, you know, one of the, there were so many reasons that we moved or chose to move from Pennsylvania back to Alabama. The main reason was family, you know, we, um, our kids were getting older and we wanted to be near grandparents. Um, uh, My husband's mom, is here and my mom of course is here and really all of our immediate siblings are as well. So that's been a huge, um, a huge thing, but, um, it's funny you mentioned your son because my two, my four-year-old and my two and a half year old, really they're, they're both girls and they are two peas in a pot, you know? And then my one-year-old son, he is only, 17 months, almost, almost 17 months. But I don't know if your son was like this, but he is light years ahead of where my girls were at that age. Like, yeah. Scary fast. Third child. Yeah. So, I mean, just very like what, what happened, you know? And, um, we lived in a row home in Pennsylvania. Um, our home was quite large, but our yard was 15 by 20 feet in the backyard and, um, chain link fence. And we shared it 
with our two neighbors who we love and miss so much, but they also had a 15 by 20 yard, if not smaller, because they had chosen to put gardens and whatnot in it. And so um, my son is wide open, wide open. He was running, running at 10 months. Like not just oh, like wow. pulling up, like, like my girls were always just like pulling up on things and like, please hold my hand or just refusing to walk. And he was running at 10 months. Yeah. And so, <laughs> um, you know, that was right around all of that time that my husband and I's hearts were kind of like, we need something different, you know? And so I think my girls would have had an absolutely fine life in Pennsylvania in that exact home for their entire life. They could have, you know, gone out and met friends, like you said, and connected in other ways and been there for each other. But my son would have um, suffered in some ways with that adventurous and um, yeah, just like that, that boy conquering type personality that they have built within them. I wanted something, I wanted more for him and him to be able to run run more than 15 feet, you know? (laughs) And, um, so yes, I, I have found myself making huge decisions just based off of one child and advocating for them, for them personally. Yeah, that's big. Um, well, talk to me, we, we talked a little bit, or you mentioned a little bit about this, that you've always been a dancer. Okay. Yeah. That's a hard life. It's a sport that's an individual sport, but yet it's not. And True. then it's intense. It takes up so much time. So talk to me about the life of a dancer, but yet as an adult to start teaching, you must still have a love and a passion for it. So when I, I've always taken ballet, like that was my thing. Um, I took solely ballet um, until I was 11. And then um my mom found another studio that she felt like was um, very professional, but not quite as like um, trendy. You know, you can kind of come into that um, crossroads when you hit middle school and high school as a girl dancing where you're like, okay, am I okay with wearing certain costumes and dancing to certain music or, you know, but still have the training that you feel like is rising you above. So that was always a hard aspect to find. And we found a absolute great, great, wonderful studio that's still there today in North Alabama. It's called um, North Alabama Dance Center. If anyone is in the area and wants a great um, uh, studio for their daughter. But I started dancing there when I was 11 and um Anyway, I did ballet, tap, jazz, and lyrical there until I graduated in 12th grade, then went to Germany, and the specific type of discipleship training school that I did was arts-focused, so I was actually able to dance during, yes, I was actually able to dance during that time as well, and I think um, this was something fabulous that comes from homeschooling and just spending so much one-on-one time with your mom or dad or whoever is home educating you. Um, They get to pour um, really just like this adventurous and um, 
a, a confidence within you that says, okay, so like what gifts and passions do you individually have and how can you use them to benefit the world? Um, whereas, you know, a lot of times in a public education system, you can't have that one-on-one attention to have those conversations of, you know, well, what individual gifts do you have? You know, because you can't do that in a room with 30 kids. That's just a lot to process. And so my mom was excellent at um, figuring out what our gifts and passions were and then really um, pushing us out of the nest to say, okay, well then go help someone with that gift. And so that has always been something that's been so life-giving to me. I will say I'm, I feel so distracted I think right now with my three kids that it, it's it's an art dance is an art it's a lot of people are like no it's a sport it's tougher than football you do have to be very strong <laughs> to dance um, but it's it's an art and I think like any type of art you need time alone and you need um, inspiration to have that um the the best of that art come out and I have found it to be a struggle in this season to feel inspired (laughs) (laughs) with my three kids you know what I mean yes so I I am at peace in this season to not be teaching um I still love dance I love music and I find myself you know even like trying to make my kids laugh in the you know kitchen like all right look at look at mommy dance. I bet you didn't know I could do this or whatever, you know, but, um, it's not something I am actively pursuing at this time, just because I think it's something special. There is something special within my soul that comes out during time alone and, um, being able to really feel the music and, um, come up with choreography. And so while I know that that's a gift and passion that I will always use, it's not something I'm doing currently, if that makes sense. It does. And the thing about that, that's interesting that you say is seasons. I mean, having seasons and recognizing that there are seasons and just because a season is changing, doesn't mean that that's gone forever. That's right. Um, And especially, you know, with your kids, but there are a couple of things there that you said that I really found interesting. Um, The fact that it's an art, not just a sport. my kids are in jujitsu and okay. that's a lot of grappling and that grappling is an art. There is a method and a skill, but there is an art to the implementation of it. So many things, and it does take time and energy and, and you've got to kind of decide what your priorities are. How do you set your priorities? Well, um, I think exactly what you said understanding the season that you're in and giving yourself grace for that and uh, making realistic priorities for that season is, is very important. And that has been something um, huge that I've had to work through. And I'm, I'm, like I said, at the beginning of this podcast, I'm a workhorse. If you give me a task, I'm going to, I'm going to do it full steam ahead. And, um, uh, understanding that you can make your to-do list, especially with kids, you know, and like the season that you're in and then one thing at a time, you know, like just, it, it's, it's okay not to finish the whole task or the whole list in one day. That's been 
that's been really um, big for me. I think one question I've been asking myself recently is what is the thing that I'm putting off and why am I putting it off? And possibly that needs to be a priority in my life because it might be keeping me from, you know, moving forward in whatever aspect that is. Um, so I am, I am really leaning into, um, setting my priorities within my season and trying to tackle the things that I might be putting off. That's my most recent approach. That's good. And it could be a variety of reasons and maybe even something that shouldn't be on your list to do. That's right. That's right. So that takes some being honest. Have you always been honest with yourself? No, I think it's something new. I think it's something new um, within the past few years, I would say for sure. What kind of big advice? Things that maybe you learned that you just wish you'd known on baby number one. Yeah. um, I I think, you know, one of the biggest things is um, you as a new mom and um, if, if, especially if you have, you know, a partner, if you're married or, um, you know, in the process of, you know, getting engaged or married, your, your new family unit is your priority. And that was something that took, um, took a long time, I think, for me to really grasp. Um, but that's it. Your, that is your priority is figuring out um, how can you and your spouse communicate in the best, most effective way possible um, so that you're on the same page and can then pour that love and security, support, guidance into your baby. Um, there's a lot of voices out there now um, that tell you, oh, well, you need to sleep train and, oh, I can't believe you would ever feed your baby this, or you absolutely have to nurse or, you know, whatever. Like there's just, there's so many voices and so many opinions. And I think you need to be very careful with what you let in. Um, I believe that God has given, especially mothers, that mother's intuition to know truly what is best for you and your child. And if that means turning your phone off, for four to five hours a day, just to you learn how to really use um, your God-given instinct to care for you and your child in whatever rhythm and way that looks like. Um, try to find that. Try, you know, make that I, a priority, and um, not let all of those other voices come in because that can cause a lot of anxiety. Um, you think, well, I'm not doing this or I'm not doing this or, you know, and that's, um, God has given you the exact set of tools that you need to care for your child and, um, finding that those new rhythms, you know, with your spouse, um, to care for your baby is the best. That's interesting. And as you're talking, I I kept thinking back of of me and my generation and time of mothering, you know, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have the phone in our hand. 
for which my kids are very grateful because they they things that landed in a picture on a in a box somewhere are not out there on on the internet and I think sometimes um moms get really caught up in that and they get caught up in that comparison we didn't have that so when I was planning things I might be reading a magazine and trying to apply that but it didn't have all the other bombardment I I don't know how you handle that well there there is freedom in getting off of social media. There really is. I actually, I'm not sure if I have shared this with Becca or not, but I probably need to in case she has tried to message me. Um, but I'm in the middle of a hundred day social media fast. And, um, in, in my experience, the quickest way to re recenter myself and to, um, get rid of that noise is by just getting off, just getting off of social media. You know, if you're communicating with someone regularly on there, send them a private message with your phone number and just say, please text me and turn off all of your notifications on your phone. Um, the Rhythms of Renewal by Rebecca Lyons. I'm not sure if you have read that book. It was life. It was absolutely life-changing for me um, regarding it regarding the um, pressures of social media and just our day and age that we live in. I mean, like you were saying, things are, our phone are literally our world is in our pocket and our phone. And there are little changes that we can make to yes, still live in this digital world and be a part of that, you know, um, but limit the input any type of limiting of the input that we can do, I think is super, super beneficial in um, recentering our day and our focus. It's been a huge thing for me. I was embarrassingly quite addicted, I think, to my phone and just that constant dopamine of something new um, as a young mom, because I was, you know, I was by myself in Pennsylvania and trying to trying to connect, you know, we're created for connection. And so it feels good to open up Facebook real quick and immediately connect with someone. Um, But it also can be an immediate escape from the hard that's right in front of you. And I had found myself falling into that trap so many times. I mean, I had, I had three babies in three years. And so I was pregnant, nursing, pregnant, nursing, pregnant, nursing, and really had just fallen into, I think, a, um, a bad rut of I'm sick of, I'm sick of nursing and I'm sick of crying and I'm sick of diapers. So let me open my phone and feel good for a second. And it sounds, that sounds like embarrassing to say, like, it sounds like I was just like using my phone to like swipe as a drug, you know, but when you, when I would put it down and say, I'm just not looking at it today and I'm just going to focus on my priorities, which is this season, everything seemed to fall into place a lot better. And um, the more I am off social media, the clearer I see, honestly. I think think that's powerful. And you're not to this stage yet, but I don't know what I would have done if my kids could have Googled my answers. 
because I could speak it with authority and they believe me. Now, they may be embarrassed as adults of what they've quoted as a fact and people are like, what? But, you know, it's like I was their authority. And to have your kid fact check you, I just I don't think I would have survived. Um, And I know it would have made me question myself in my own house, you know, of, of something. So. Um, now, granted, I mean, sometimes I said, hey, let's go look that up or, you know, sure, I, I sure. made them go research something to to tell me why. I mean, I, we were the kid that um, I allowed Isaac to get a mohawk when he was like kindergarten age. And okay. I did it because he um, I sent him to the library, did not allow him to ask for help. And he had to find out why. Um, mohawks were a thing and he ended up finding out he ended up learning the fact that the warriors had mohawks so they wouldn't get their arrows caught in their um, hair now how could you not let the kids shave his head parents hated me kids loved him so but that was a learning lesson and if you'd had google what would it be? And so I I would encourage moms don't let that be the resource that is acceptable when they start educating and they start trying to to have them learn. And one alarming thing that just came up. And as you were talking about the experience that Isaac had, you know, I just, I've, I've read, I think I read, I, I can't remember. I read it somewhere. I don't remember exactly where but this guy was talking about his daughter and his daughter's, I think in high school, and I'm pretty sure she does not have a phone. Like it might be one of their family roles to where she does not have a phone. Anyway, she is at homecoming and was, you know, so excited about homecoming had, you know, gone and gotten the dress and, um, you know, was really excited about the experience and called her parents like an hour in and was like, no one's here. Can you come and pick me up? And they're like, what do you mean? She's like, all of my friends already left. And so they go and they pick her up. And I guess maybe she has a phone to be able to call them. But anyway, they get her home and they're like, what happened? Like, it's supposed to be like this big event. Like the dance is supposed to be like longer and whatever. And she said, well, yeah, like we've all been picking out our dresses. We've all been picking out our shoes. We've all like done our makeup for it. And everyone got here and took a picture for Instagram. And then they just left. Maybe it's, maybe the daughter has a phone, but she's not allowed social media. And so the dad was like, oh my goodness, these kids are literally like being programmed in in, in a sense to have their experience be virtual and they can't be present in the moment. Like they were bored at homecoming, but they got their picture and it was like that instant gratification type. Okay. Let's just move on to the next thing. Like instead of really processing what's happening and um, it was shocking to me. Like it was, it was, it was heartbreaking really, because you talk about like, how are you going to protect your kids in the future? And I'm like, I don't know. God's help. Like, I just don't know. And so I was very, very excited to see on Becca's wedding invitation, how it was going to be an unplugged event. And I think 
I think that will be something I'm implementing in our household is, you know, like we're unplugging for the weekend or every dinner is, you know, unplugged as our kids are older and stuff. And so I'm, I'm going to have to be creative in a lot of ways for that. Well, you know what I have found, you have to play by the same rules. And if Hmm. you play by the same rules, then your kids accept it for the most part. Um, uh, We did long before Chick-fil-A put the baskets on the table that to put your phone in. Um, We did long before put your phone in the middle and whoever picks theirs up is paying. Now we probably didn't follow through on the paying, but we did have the, Hey, put your phones here. And ours went there too. And I think sometimes parents want to say one thing, do another and, um, and it, and it will backfire. Yeah. I'm really excited about that. I, I'm not exactly, I hope that everybody respects it because it's very important to Becca, um, yeah. to not look at her pictures and have somebody's phone in their face, but to have their expressions of what is yeah. going on and, and not that they have to capture the moment, but she's paid somebody to capture the moments and then be able to share that back. And so um, I'm really looking forward to it. So what would you tell that 15-year-old Lauren? What's coming? What do you need to do? I think to enjoy, like enjoy the process. Um, I think for so much of my life, because I'm a planner, um, that typical firstborn um, planner um, to enjoy each step of the way and know that um, literally every single thing is working out for your good in some way, shape or form. Um, Feeling the things and then knowing that it's working for your good. Um, I think I'm still telling myself that honestly, but I wish that I knew it in the core of my being as I was younger. Cause I think I missed out on celebrating a lot of the process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, being a planner, do you have any planning tools that you implement? I don't, I have tried, I have bought a hundred different things. I've, um, <laughs> You know, I am a sucker for the Marshall's cute planner, and then it ends up just being a grocery list book. Um, so no, no, I don't. In this, in this <laughs> Honesty, season, love it. yeah, in this season, nothing has worked as far as that goes. Besides, I will say, right, just right here. I keep a very small notebook and pen in my purse or with me at all times. And it's everything like every single thing is in here. And when, when I'm done with that page, I rip it off and throw it away. So it's my grocery list. It's my meal plan for the week. It's um, when the doctor called and said that this is the number to the prescription. Like that's what I write it down in. Um, If I have something that I need to put in my phone for a reminder, it is in here. RSVP to Becca's wedding is in here. Like, (laughs) it's just one little one notebook everything goes in it (laughs) see Lauren that's a tool that is a real tool and and it's funny that you say that because I have a notebook like that too 
and it's like an art book. And, um, and I write everything on it. And I know that if I had the conversation, it should be in there. And Absolutely. so I, I do not rip mine out and throw it away. I keep it and I can go back and, and I can find, no, I really said it right there. Okay. Um, and, and that helped, that helps me, but, um, but yeah, that is a, that is a planning tool. Um, all right. We have gone all over the place, talked about all kinds of things. Is there anything that we haven't covered that you would like to make sure that we don't miss out talking about? I don't, I don't think so. I've, I have loved this conversation and um, I'm so excited to get to know you better because I really don't, I have not gotten to spend a ton of one-on-one time with Becca, but she is um, someone that I always want to be around. Um, One amazing story. Yeah. One amazing story um, is when I, I really only met Becca one time before she came to visit me in Pennsylvania and she had a work trip there as well, but she stopped by and saw me and it was at our mutual friend Naomi's wedding. And then years passed years. And I was in Pennsylvania pregnant with my second. And, you know, you always have a baby shower for your first kid, but then other ones, people are like, do you need anything? Here's a box yeah. of diapers, you know, like they don't really give you anything. And so my mom had, uh, had figured out some sort of like Amazon registry for my second baby, um, Nora. And I didn't even know where the list was, but somehow she posted it. Becca found it on Facebook and she bought me something off of the registry along with a curious George book. And it just came to my house and I, I saw it and I was like, who is Becca? Cause it didn't even have her last <sighs> name. Like that's such a Becca thing to do. Right. She doesn't even like, put it, her it last is. Name. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, who is this? And then I got a message from her and she goes, hi, I was just making sure my package arrived. And I was like, that was one of the kindest things I think that ever happened to me. And I'll just never forget it. And so I told her, I was like, thank you so much for remembering me and knowing who I was and doing this for me. And then a few months later, she said, Hey, I know we've haven't talked in a while, but I have a work trip and if it's okay, I'd just like to come and see you. And I was like, of course, of course. (laughs) And, you know, we talked about lavender that weekend and we talked about life and I sent her a long email when she left and I was like if I'm gonna do this business I want to do it with someone like you like I want someone exactly like you to do it with like you don't have to have any credentials other than your heart and I'm okay with that you know and um so that was really I guess the only story I wanted to make sure you heard as a mom too so glad to hear it. Yeah, she's so awesome. glad. That's well, thank you. And you know, that's goes right back. Um, genuine life. I mean, you you live it, you have your conversations, and you you really don't know what those conversations are gonna do and impact that person along the that's way. Exactly right. So it's just um live genuinely and mm-hmm. And you seem to do that and seem to attract people who do that. And um, I feel really blessed by, by today. So Lauren, how do people get in touch with you? What if they want to join in Young Living? Um, what if they wanted to dive into 
um, trying an oil, where would you send them first? Well, um, so I just told you that I'm off of social media right now. <laughs> so yeah. if you're hearing, so if you're hearing this sooner rather than later, um, I would um, email me. My email address is Lauren, L-A-W-R-E-N, numbers 130 at gmail.com. And maybe I can send that to you to put in show notes. Um, but if you would like more information, shoot me an email. And if you are listening to this and you have a relationship, obviously, with Becca in any way, um, she is exactly... And she's in my team. So you um, signing up with either one of Becca or I one, like the people can reach out to Becca. She's a wealth of knowledge as well. And it will all be um, any purchase you make will directly benefit both Becca and myself and, um, and our families. Becca's getting married. She's going to have a family no. soon. So yeah. yeah. So um, uh, we would be, we would absolutely love to um, answer any questions and help you get started in any way, shape or form, send you a sample, help um, um, normalize your persona on oils right now. <laughs> there you go. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure, Lauren. And um, I uh, hope that we get to meet and um, I think yes. we probably will in the next absolutely month. And um so it's, it's been good and I encourage you and um, look forward to seeing what happens with you and your kids and just how y'all grow life. So thank thanks you a so lot. much. Yeah. Thank you. Right. It has been, it's been great. Find Stacked Keys Podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes, or anywhere you get your favorite podcast listen. You'll laugh out loud, you'll cry a little, you'll find yourself encouraged. Join us for casual conversation that leads itself based on where we take it, from family, to philosophy, to work, to meal prep, to beautifully surviving life. And hey, if I could ask a big favor of you, go to iTunes and give us a five rating. The more people who rate us, the more we get this podcast out there. Thanks. I appreciate it. Get louder, get louder, get louder.